Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Saints Radio. Saints Radio. This is your weather forecast from Saints Network headquarters in Umatacost, capital of North America. Remember that one? <laughs> in Big D right now, it is 34 degrees. Can you believe it, friends? I just pulled up the this weather that I have, and it says, for this weekend in Dallas, crews treat roads as Arctic invasion brings chance of sleet, freezing drizzle to Dallas-Fort Worth. Man. Arctic invasion. We're having an Arctic invasion. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a blue norther. Ruby and I were talking about adjusting the thermostats in anticipation of this. <laughs> of course, uh, we don't want to hear anything from those who are enjoying 82 degree weather as those in Orlando are and Tampa's even at 79 our friends in Geneva 43 degrees it is 10 degrees warmer in Geneva right now than here can you believe that Olivia Zaphis must be praying up a storm she must be on her face before God welcoming those warmer climes so Anyway, that's the weather now to Monica for sports. <laughs> that's the last thing you want me to do. Uh, I could say, I think there was a football game this weekend. I think. I'm not really sure who won or who played, but I think there was a football game. This there weekend. was one. And, uh, that's the sports. The, the, the ageless Tom Brady oh, came through right. in amazing fashion for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Isn't that weird? See how how holy Pastor Levester is. Uh, Pastor Holy Levester is a Dallas Cowboy fan. Well, I know that. I know that. But, you know, the the, the glory just... I think Jerry Jones blocks the glory here. But yeah. see there, they had the Super Bowl there in Tampa. And the home <coughs> team played in it. That I don't know that that has ever happened. It may have back in the 60s once. But... Um, Anyway, there you have it. There you have it. Well, we hope everybody's doing well, wherever it is you may be listening. And we are very grateful for this opportunity to be with you on this Tuesday morning. And um, I was praying in my office this morning and I looked down at the calendar I recognized that our March seminar is a little over a month away hard to imagine um, guess I gotta get gotta get going on preparing <coughs> for it so many things to say about the prophet in this year of the prophet <coughs> And um, it's, for me, it's uh, what not to say. <coughs> I got a lot of things I'd like to say, but um, in the Lord's timing, we, we say what we should say. I'm not really sure I'm following you. Are well, you saying not to say because you shouldn't say it or because it's not the timing? This sounds like Gandalf and uh, 
Vicky's playing. Good morning. Are you saying that it's a good morning or that you wish yeah, that I'm it not were so? No, you know, I'm putting the progression together of what I'm supposed to be sharing. And as I'm putting the outlines together, um, I have a lot of I have a lot of personal opinions about how false prophecy is weighing out right now. And um, I I get all revved up as to things, progressions that I see that, I, that I'd really like to say. And then I think, even though that's true, I really don't need to be saying that in the middle of the, the flow pattern here. So that's that's really that's really where I am right now. So because um, there's a lot of prophetic activity going on in all sides of the spectrum here, and um, you're not talking about here in our church. You're talking about here, just in in general in the nation. In the yeah, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, no, it's um. In the timing of the Lord, things are ready to be released according to God's timing. And, um, you know, like what we were saying on Sunday morning about in the time of raw, in the time of trouble, God hides me in his pavilion. And that concept of the enemy coming in one way and then people say well this these are terrible times you know how can god be allowing the enemy to do these things and and it's always it's always this pattern god's going to do something the enemy god allows the enemy to try to stop it and then there's an overwhelming breakthrough of what God intended all along, which is his ways, and the enemy flees. And I, I think that the, the magnanimity of what is coming, what God has ordained to happen uh, in, the, in the very near future, we've been preparing for and praying about, and all of these things that we see going on around us are just tactical maneuvers of the enemy first of all to try to to stop it and secondly to then through that prepare his emissaries to be positioned to take advantage of it so i my main thing going back to what you asked me about is that i don't want to pay too much attention to what the enemy is doing right now and you know you you want to say a lot of things because it's infuriating um i'm sure we would have felt a similar way even without the benefit of knowing the new testament record uh when we'd see jesus coming in and the enemy do some kind of nonsense and uh his threats or his uh, machinations that were intended to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So, you know, I think that all of the things that we're seeing happen right now, and there are many of them, are specifically targeting facets of the outpouring that God's going to bring and that is just on the doorstep. And so when the enemy flees, though, he's, he does, he's not going to flee with empty-handed. He has, he's got some followers that have been recruited, and he's, he's, he's always, he always tries to use that and I'm sorry, I'm just rambling now. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, you know, this, this past weekend, um, <coughs> you know, Mark Burke taught in Sunday school and he was talking about the pouring out of the Spirit. And he was... He was linking the um, um, the promise of in the in the last days, pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he took a long, long, very decided approach to talk about what that meant on all flesh. And for me, I think that. I think that the enemy is preparing his emissaries for the purpose of taking advantage of that outpouring of the Spirit. He's training them now. And there's a strange hybrid of pneumatikos principles that the enemy is custom-fitting his people with to be able to to take advantage of their of their human makeup of their the spirit that's in them that will everyone will surrender that to positive life from God when they give up the spirit when they give up the ghost and the enemy is perfect is trying to create his emissaries to be able to function in that cuz the enemy knows it's coming he, he's he's got a certain dimension of pride that he thinks that he can. He, it doesn't matter what God's intent is; he's going to turn it, which is what he did at the rebellion. You know, God gave commission for certain tasks, and the enemy participated, but then he used them to what he felt was his own advantage. And with that, he took along at, at least a council of seven, but many others. And we'd say, how is that going to happen? Well, it's, it, that's, that factor right there is what the Scripture speaks about the very elect um, falling. It's the principle of the principalities that fell. And it's always the strategy of the enemy. So we see that. And I, I see I see in the progressive movement the enemy's intent to get people vulnerable, to teach them how to open up to the spirit realm, to say and, to say yes, because there's 
There's no accountability. God is everywhere. He's already paid the price for everybody. We're all born again. And so there's truth in everything. Just open up to it. And one of the things I'm, I'm planning to do is to have competing, comparing charts at our seminar, one of the sessions, between what we as saints do in our prayer, in our opening ourselves to God, and what um, is mentioned in a book that's being taught in a lot of places uh, that's straight out of Hinduism about how to open yourself and to, and to become animal-like because you don't want to fear anything. There's nothing to fear in the spirit realm. You just welcome it. That's a prescription for being demonized. And it's really taking some similar things that God has made humans to be able to, to open to the spirit uh, for the, so that they would have the capacity to do that. We understand as purpose-driven people what our objectives are and we're watchful and we hide the word in our heart that we don't sin against God and we we understand you know as Paul said be vigilant because your adversary the enemy is there and, and all those other warnings well there are no warnings in this other thing and I you know that is just a it's a recruitment that's that's going to be the the enemy's general church and we we have to recognize that and we also need to recognize that there are rulers of the darkness of this world that are the enemy pneumatikos. And um, we, we have to really buck it up and, and take, go into that next level that our Father is expecting from us. Because, And to do that, we've got to be wise. We've got to understand the times and seasons. We've got to choose our battles. And we've got to be devoted um, We've got to be devoted to what God is, has really given us to do because he's not changed his mind. We've been being trained for this. And, um, you know, I was thinking about different parallels. and You know, that whole concept of let's just be open to anything in the spirit because it's all God. Do we do that in any other way of life? You know, I had two daughters and two granddaughters now. Do I... Do I just say to them, you know, you just go out and do whatever you want to do. There's there's nothing to fear. You know, you've been given capacities. Enjoy who you are because nothing can go wrong. Just be open to anything. Do we say that? Where does the principle of of sanctification come in there? You know, be... I am holy, be, you know, be like me, be holy like me, the process of sanctification where you surrender yourself to that process to become like him, to huh. shut out everything that is not God-like and become like, to become holy like him. Yeah. Where, where is that principle? Because that is a, a huge part of the foundation of what Christianity should be. Oh, yeah. So is that just absolutely not considered well in order to do that but i guess they're looking at more of a universal a universal god that is in everything oh yes but it's cosmic i know so, so if, you, you if you're going to become like him then you become whether it's shady you know whatever it is that's to them that's their measure of holiness mm -hmm. okay 
I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's a good question because in order to in order to really answer that, you have to see what they do. First of all, they don't want Scripture defining this. And if they use Scripture, they twist it. Well, that's because they dispute that it's inerrant. Yeah. And so they deconstruct definitions, <coughs> previous definitions. So, for instance, something we heard a few years ago, our definition as saints of holiness is not right. So... It's, it's like even society. Let's rewrite history. Let's, let's, let's establish our own viewpoint of history. Let's tear down any kind of, of, of uh, statue or as any other thing that happen. commemorates as if it didn't happen. We're going to rewrite things. That is, that, is a, <coughs> that is a manifestation of this viewpoint. And so... To be holy like God sounds a whole lot like what Isaiah says about the enemy. I will be like the Most High. And to be like is to compete, to line up with, and to say, I'm going to beat them at their own game. You know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not really going to dispute the principle, but I'm going to embrace it and then use it for my own device. And... He says, I will be like the Most High. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. But God says, be holy, or how does that go? I, I Be holy as I am holy. Mm -hmm. He says, be. He doesn't say, be like That's me. a good point. He says, be. So there's a huge difference there. So I never thought about the, I will be like the Most High God is more of a, a competitive kind of, like, I'm going to be my own self. Yeah, I'm going to be who I am in my own self, but I'm going to be like him. It's kind of like business. You know, you see somebody that's working, and then, you know, like Burger King sees McDonald's. I'm going to be like McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And there's no sense recreating anything. I'm going to let McDonald's spend all this money in finding out where the best locations are, and I'm going to let them buy that, and then we're going to go very near there and establish that's their business tactic or has been. So it's 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 imitation, sincerest form of flattery, but you know that the enemy can take what he tries to take advantage of what God has ordained to do. So he begins to prepare for it and then he he will try to emulate it, but then twist it for his own device. So it's not actually the B, which you so rightly and astutely point out, but it's it's a competitive thing, mm -hmm. and so that's what he's doing, and that's why he's, you know, we believe. Look at look at some of the points. We believe that God is raising up Elishas. We believe that on the sons and daughters, God's going to pour out and they're going to prophesy. Well, let's go after a generation. Let's progressively. Or all the trigger points and all the things, you know, let's 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 capture a generation for ourselves, and let's let them despise everything that the church stands for, and let's say we're honoring them, but we're we're really giving them the left foot of fellowship with with prejudice, you know. If you think about all the things that are being attacked now. And you recognize what God has promised he's going to do, even race relations. For how many years have we said and openly done our very best, willingly, gladly, 
to align ourselves with the African-American church. And there's a great awakening of the giant that is the African-American church here in the States. So let's just attack race relations and let's, let's speak about everything being due to race or um, white privilege or whatever, <laughs> trying to split that. I mean, you can go down the line and you see how the enemy's strategy is to get ready for this outpouring of the Spirit and, and then to take it and twist it. And what they'll do is when this begins to happen, those lying signs and wonders will, will come. And they'll say, okay, see, we, we saw some of this, and I'm not going to go too far with this. Um, in the past couple of years, a couple of years ago, where um, there was direct, in-your-face competition for the heart of the saints. And... I, I just, it makes you angry when you see the enemy do these kinds of things. But you have to be angry and not miss the mark. Be angry and sin not. Got to stay on target. Yeah, sure. I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side when he starts pouring those vials out. <laughs> the wrath. Yeah, and too, I mean, and forgive me for if I'm, if this is repetitive from Sunday school. Um, so he, he, he says, I'm going to pour out my flesh upon all, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the sons and daughters will prophesy and the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. So he's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And his sons and daughters are going to prophesy. What effect is that pouring out of the Spirit going to have on the false prophet? Well, again, I mean, a rising tide floats all boats. The enemy knows that's going to come. He's getting ready for it. And uh, I'm not there. We're not living in those days yet, even though these are precursors to it. But so far, what we've seen, even in the past year, even in the past year, something good can happen, but the negative prince of the power of the air spin on that thing totally turns it. For instance, I don't know if you, I heard snippets of it because I just couldn't listen to it. And again, I got to be careful what I'm saying. But there was a presidential interview during the Super Bowl. And, you know, this past year, the vaccination, warp speed, whatever you think of the vaccine is not germane to this conversation. But it's miraculous that they were able to, to develop it and get it ready for market. Well, to hear the presidential um, interview, the previous administration just absolutely botched the whole thing. Just It just was absolutely... Um, inefficient and just ridiculous and you know it was said in a more and and stoked along by the interviewee um but what should be something hey look this is something that is going to impact the world it's going to help 
has been turned to look at the, how horribly you did. I mean, this is awful. And, you know, and, and so like you see the state of Florida and to some degree Texas, but West Virginia and Florida are states that have been tremendous at being able to distribute this to people. Well, New York, not so much. California, and you hear talking heads talking about how terrible, you know, Cuomo in New York, you know, it's all Trump's fault. It's all the administration's fault from the last administration. We're just suffering here because they screwed up this whole thing. Well, how then is Florida doing it? How then is West Virginia doing it? How then is Texas doing it? You see, it's, it's, to me, that prince of the power of the air twisting of things, half God said, which we cannot, we cannot dismiss its, its effectiveness. Um, it, it, it is crafty. And I think it goes back to the capacity of that created being that Isaiah called Hillel, which knew how to take God's directive and bring it about and to then come back with a victory. If you know how to do that, you know how to muck it up. And you can take it and direct direct things. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing. Even, even the visitation that God gave here during the initial phases of the outpouring of the Spirit, which he just kept incubating us for this pathway of the saints. So many of the things that we cherished were mocked and ridiculed and absolutely miscast. For instance, God gave us the privilege of being able to, to receive meat from the Word, things that are there but had not been seen, and God was revealing them. Well, the opposite side, which I heard over and over again, was that we weren't teaching Scripture and that we were not scriptural. How can the same thing be? How can normal people look and see, look at this, this is all Scripture, but the person to the left says, it's not scriptural. How could that be? Only the enemy can do that. To where when we were uh, had our big meeting here with denominational officials, somehow they dug up the former pastor here and he stood up in front of the congregation and said, this is a cult, they're not teaching scripture. How can those two things be? But the enemy knows how to do that. Where there's an outpouring of the spirit, there is a visitation. You know, when people would have manifestations, this same crowd called it hoopla. You know, uh, the, the, the former superintendent died, who Les always called him. I, it was funny. He didn't say his name right. and It was just funny. I joke with him about it. But he would mock the fact that people would, during the worship times, dance. And he would then say, I saw those same people come up at the end of the altar. Well, everybody should be coming up to the altar. And everybody should be. And it's it's just, how can you take something that is 
an outpouring of the Spirit and a sincere, legitimate manifestation of the Spirit and take it and totally turn it and use the momentum of that thing in a way entirely different than what God wants. It's the strategy. It's the half-God-said strategy of the enemy. So how is the false prophet going to do this? How is it going to take advantage of, of this? I think his first calling card is going to be that. Mm. And um, there will be a lot of mockery. It's kind of like when the Pentecostal movement uh, stirred here in, in, in our country and in other places, or even Pentecost itself. Fire is being seen on people's heads. People are speaking in tongues. Visitors from around the world are understanding what these people are saying. And they're not heads standing there saying, these people are drunk. They, they are, they're, beside, they, they're, they're just not to be believed. At the, at the ascension of Jesus, there he goes in the clouds. And there are some there who followed him out as far as Bethany, who's, who's doubting, the scripture says. How can that be? So it's always an enemy tactic, and sometimes people are just that way because they're na naysayers. But that's a, that's a good question. Do you have any thoughts about that? <clears throat> no, I just... Um... I just wondered what you thought about that or what really that reality was going to look like. But I, I have to believe that his spirit pouring out upon his sons and daughters and then prophesying that anointing. I mean, there's going to be an anointing there that's going to be powerful. And, you know, you just think, okay, so how do we prepare for that? How do, how do we prepare? And all I can think is, you know, his throne, justice, what does it say? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And we stay positioned in our place before him in truth, pursuing truth, and keeping our eyes on him and serving him at his throne. And that's interesting about the very elect being deceived. I had never thought of it that way. Well, you know. That's always been kind of a, ooh, that's scary. Because if, if even the very elect can be deceived, you better be careful. Yeah. Um, but, but we've you know, seen the manifestation of that. Yeah. I mean, in living color, we have lived that and seen that. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable, but it's true. And it's very seductive. I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I some of the resources that you're referring to, I've read some of them and they are very seductive. And and I remember the first the first book that was put in my hands that I didn't even know the term progressive Christianity at that time. I didn't even know this was going on. Because well, you've been following the truth. Yeah, How would I you live know in that? This, yeah, and and I remember reading about the first three or four chapters. Maybe got to chapter five, he started talking about the fivefold, and I mean, I'm like, 
this is the first guy that I have read outside of the saints that is actually speaking our language. I mean, it was so compelling and seductive. And then I got about to chapter six, and then my spirit, it was just pinging me big time. And I thought, wait, there's, this is not right. But it's just, yeah. Well, you know, you, you see, you see no emphasis on Satan. In, in the books that I've read, and you were very gracious to help me with uh, getting a couple of them. Supply your library. <laughs> yeah. I found one paragraph about Satan. And there it said, some people ask me if there is a devil, and um, I've seen enough evil to suspect that there is a creature like that. And that's it. That's it. And anything about the purpose of God, anything about true uh, commune with the Heavenly Father and being as a son to do the will of him who has created us, that's not anywhere. Even the, the legitimacy of Scripture is debunked and when it is used, it's it's twisted. Like, for instance, I was reading about metanoia, you know, to repent, which, you know, to to it means to have a uh, to have your mind readjusted to where you go the other way. Well, it's carefully defined in some of these books as it's kind of borderline, but it doesn't it doesn't say to go the other way. It says to just see things in a different way. There's a difference between those two, between turning and going the other way and seeing things in a different way. Because you can see things in a different way and go any which way. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to say, I've awakened, my mind has come to an, a knowledge that I'm not where I should be. You know, do you mean to tell me that John the Baptist was saying metanoia, the kingdom of, of God is at hand, and to those people that were watching him, he just said, do anything you want. Just think differently. God is everywhere. Is that what John was saying? Or was he calling people vipers? And was he saying, you're, you're, you, you need to come down here and die to that stuff and live to what God created you to be? Was it just to see a different thing? Or was it to change? And so... You, you find scriptures that are twisted in that way. And even like the, the parable of the talents, one of the most, cra the craziest interpretations I've ever read was that the guy who buried his talent in the, in the, in the death rag and when the Lord returned and was furious with him, this interpretation was that the Lord in that parable 
represented the world system and that the guy who actually buried his talent was a conscientious objector to capitalism. And so the the guy that in the Bible was being judged was really being lauded in this book. Now, and, and you know, and then in harmony with it, the, the the cousin of that was the narrow way, and how that meant that you know the narrow way was to be open to anything. And I'm thinking, this it's so smoothly written from a philosophical standpoint under the under the the guise of God, but it's it's Mars Hill. Mars Hill Publishing Company, you know? Just be open to anything. And and it's just, it's wickedness. So you take away the scripture and there are no barriers. So you, you as you said, you discredit their validity. The ones you do acknowledge, you twist. And then you add a bunch of other viewpoints that you say were equal to these faulty scriptures and so we can just accept all of them so what about the law what about what about meditating on the law what about well see jesus keeping the word the, hidden in your heart the what cosmic about, christ came to destroy well it doesn't say he came to destroy he the law that yeah i know grace and truth he lived that he he was it the greatest was example sin. for us yeah it lived according to that, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. But you, what you really see, and Mark didn't go here. He was talking about the phenomenon of the Spirit being poured out on all flesh. But you can see the preparation, the enemy's preparation for that. And you see all these people who are being recruited to be open in the spirit realm and it won't it's 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 frightening it 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 really it's it's kind of like what people used to say when they would do seances okay let's just clear our mind now i i only the thing i know about seances is that you're through studying about what they did there or see them in some old 1930s or 40s Charlie Chan movie. Um, but there's an openness. It's, it's an openness to wickedness and evil spirits and necromancy. And um, um, I remember when we, we were in ministry and we were visiting <clears throat> on the coast of Normandy. You remember this too. And our hosts caused us to, st we were staying in this house right on the, <laughs> right on the ocean that had a storied history and they had done seances there over the years. And you could feel the opening of, um, there's three factors there. There's one, <clears throat> is all the bloodshed that has occurred there you know the beaches of normandy the 
the over the centuries bloodshed there so that opens the thing that blood cries from the ground secondly there's a connection there across the waters the two Mont Saint-Michel's um and you can sense a spiritual causeway and then when you toss in a seance which kind of taps into portals and welcomes the enemy influences it was it was spooky I think those seances were occurring in the room that I was sleeping in. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny that that is a is a real thing. We weren't we were under the covering of the Lord. We we didn't go there on our own. We didn't choose it. But God protected us. And I always thought it was really funny that this whoever owned this place had that massive pig out front. That was a boar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, man, are you the one that was left uh, from the the herd that plunged over the cliff? <laughs> the swine that got demonized? Yeah, uh, deviled ham. Um, but that principle is very much there. Open yourself to the spirit realm. You've got nothing to fear. Don't put restrictions up. Say and and yes. And, you know... God's not going to hurt you. He's everywhere. It's wicked. It's evil. And you just totally ignore or you explain away demonic encounters of it's in Scripture in psychological terms. You know, this, pre- this person must have an imbalance in his, in his brain or something, and so they act this way. This person had some kind of a scurrilous past and they were wounded and scarred. So they they become this. Maybe they had a, a, a premature death and it just affected them. So they hung around in the tombs. And, you know, you read that stuff and, oh, yes, that makes sense. I've never heard anything like this. And it's woven in. Everybody's wanting it, especially if you want to flow in that culture and you want to go along to get along. Well, then you start sucking that up and you become that before you know it you're 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 into the doctrines of devils but you think you're doing what god wants and um that that presence of iniquity twisting the purpose of god has an amazing magnetic appeal to the iniquities inside the person. And if people have pride, or if they are insecure, or if they, oh, I'm always overlooked, you know, that enemy iniquity, boy, it's it's the scratch for the itch. And that's those are the factors. Those are the factors. And you think about it. How many times do we hear, I, I listen to some of these progressive sermons, and the one guy that seems all the rage, I won't say where he's from, but in the middle of his sermons, he would say, now, I'm going to say something here. That I'm just warning you, it may trigger some of you, so you may want to get up and go out in the foyer while I'm saying it. Who says such a thing? <laughs> I mean... Do you really, you're building your your ministry around people who are triggered, who have iniquitous twitches, and 
you placate that and the enemy's all over it like flies on a flugelhorn <laughs> i forget what that phrase was from the grinch um anyway uh, how do we prepare we gird ourselves up in in the word we remember what god has called us to do and we don't we don't vary or twist it um, we hold on you hold on during that you stand firmly in the gap when the enemy comes in one way and it is a time of raw um, but the, the next voices are in that 27th Psalm I'm going to shout the shouts of joy in the sanctuary Amen. I'm going to be proclaiming that God's will has been done so how did you how do you transition from the time of raw to the shouts of joy of triumph in the sanctuary well you have to first of all know that one precedes the other and if you don't see that you can get real confused but I don't remember a time like this I mean you know you were just a tiny little girl um, was born in 1964 when the silver content and coins was changed but I was just a couple years older and I remember watching Walter Cronkite and see cities on fire and blazing and there was a lot of noble strides for justice being done but a lot of violence and and I, I remember going to my next door neighbor our next door neighbor was an was an old black man named Mr. Holly I think I've told you about this um, and I would go over there to see him because like at Easter I would either get little chicks you know not the candy real live chicks or bunnies or ducks and then, you know, when they got started getting older, we would take them over to Mr. Holly. <laughs> and he knew what to do Try with them. Love. I guess he did. That's awful. Well, but anyway, we were friends. He was a nice old man. And his his little granddaughter would come, Candace, and she was she would she and I would play through the summer. She'd come and spend the summers with him. But anyway, I remember going over to his house one time in the evening and he was sitting there reading to his son the speech that Martin Luther King had given and he was just weeping. Um, it was one of the speeches. It wasn't the I Have a Dream, but it was one of the speeches and he read it in the Pittsburgh Courier, which was a black paper. Um african-american paper but back then even the, the african-american community just called it the black paper um and he his son was talking to him about it and he said i remember mr holly saying our enemy is not this little white boy right here our enemy is the enemy of all flesh 
And he said, the only, <coughs> the only solution to this is to pray and to believe God. And, and I, re I remember that to this day, but he pointed at me and he knew me really well. I was like a, almost like a grandson to him. I'd go over and we'd talk and he'd laugh and he'd give me lemonade. And I, I don't know how old he, I don't know how old he was. <laughs> I, I really don't, but he'd sit out on the porch and, you know, my dad would go over and do things for him. He was just a very kind old man. But he, he pointed at me, um, our enemy is not this <coughs> little white boy right here. Isn't amazing. But those days were a whole lot different than these days. Um, and you can feel, you could feel unsettled in those days. <coughs> but these days... You can feel the enemy everywhere. It's it's crazy. Very different. And my spirit registers this. Because I wasn't afraid as a little boy. And I remember when Mr. Holly died uh, in 1968 and some other people moved in. They, and, you know, they were okay. But it was like somebody in our family died and the next year, my dad moved us out from there. Um, but both of those time frames were really tumultuous time frames. But at least then, people would call upon God. Now, people who are wanting quote change for the most part are mocking God and anybody who believes in God there's a big difference in that and I think it's it's the rising tide of of uh, God's timetable and the enemy really not only trying to resist it and to blow off those who are standing in the gap waiting which is why we'd need to be hidden is that see that's why it, it that makes perfect sense because if you're a tabernacle and you've been sent to welcome the presence of God on the earth and you are on the front line of the invasion of wisdom and light why would you have to be hidden and why would you have to be covered in a time of raw you're a conquering force well warfare it's not all shock and awe. I mean, we talked about Normandy. You, you look at what was there. And our soldiers and the Canadian soldiers and some of the Free French and the British, they, it was a bloodbath there establishing things. And the point is that there has to come a time when you're in the advanced force of what God's going to do where he has to hide you and he covers you. And um, you have to be willing to stand there and not surrender and go over to the other side. 
Boy, this has been a quick hour. What else are you thinking? What else? <laughs> Anything? <clears throat> I, I don't really know how to respond to all of that. Well, I know it's it's how do you do it with seven minutes left anyway, but you know, I do think that you know even even this time over this past year where we've been required to uh, hunker down, I do nothing just does his hunker or <laughs> <coughs> you you stay in place. To me, that's kind of like a prophetic word. You know, you stand here in the gap. You hold the line. You've done all to stand, stand there for. Um, in due time, God comes. And so, on the one hand, you're, you're staying in place. But on the other hand, it's like the enemy is just <coughs> the time of raw. Yeah, but think about, you know, think about just this last year, this last season and <coughs> with the pandemic and and the most prevalent application I think we would agree on was the covering of the blood. Mm-hmm. And and so many times I've thought about when when the death angel was coming and they put the blood on the the doorpost so that it didn't touch you and you were saved from the death angel. And that has been like an ongoing point of application for me in in my place of standing. And, and, And I think about, you know, just being hidden in that place because, I mean, it began being prophesied from the beginning. This is a time to establish these dwelling places these tabernacles really is a prototype for what God wants to do throughout the throughout the earth in establishing these places of intercession and, and praise. Um, and we all have the responsibility to do that. And and in so many ways, that has um, cultivated or really brought so much revelation to me personally about my place before the Lord and the secret place because that secret place where I'm hidden in him is to me where I gain the most strength the most um, I don't know that's where my resolve is found and and not that the enemy can't touch us because but in that place and I've testified of this through this COVID experience there was not one moment that I did not feel like I was covered under the shadow of his wing. I mean, I literally could be in the spirit and I could see it. I could see his covering and it felt dark in so many instances in the night. And that's not like, I mean, literally like in the night, I, it felt so dark, but I was enveloped in his presence. And, and that's where we find our strength. That's where, that's where it is, guys. And so I am just so thankful. And 
how we got to this place. It's not been fun. It's not, you know, I, I've hated the quarantine. I've hated the fact that we can't all gather together next month. Yeah. You know, I hate those parts of it, but I rejoice in what God's doing through it. And, and we just don't want to miss our time of visitation. We don't want to miss what God's doing in each one of us individually so that because what he is doing is preparing us for all these things that you're talking about. And we don't want to miss that time of preparation. So. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yes. That, that's, that's <laughs> prolific. I mean, and you think about God who hides himself in the darkness. What's that about? He does. It's, it's really he hides his face. What's that about? It's this same principle wherein God is always about to do something creative and victorious. And um, the um, basically the reason the enemy is in darkness is because he's suspended. He, he, can you imagine that? He was created as a being that could take the light and help to promote it into a creative measure in the darkness. But the, the darkness was a, a creative, it was like the first point of the, of the four seasons, you know, winter, he was there. Now he's trapped there. There's no hope of the light for him. And so he transformed himself as an angel of light, but he's not light. If the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, but, but for us, on the other hand, whenever the light is going to come in, we're covered in darkness. So, because God is then, it, it even speaks about the light coming out of the darkness. That's, listen, I, I just, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how I've lived this and, and how many times in the midst of just darkness, but knowing that I'm shrouded. You know, you've talked about carrying the lamp. That lamp was was always with me. Yeah. And I realized that that light, that lamp is burning on the inside of me. And so no matter how dark things appear, that light is coming out of me because he is in me. And that's who we are. That's where... It's just a revelation of some of these things that you've seen in vision and that we've seen in the Word. It's like living the revelation in hard times or in challenging times or in painful times or in dark times. It's like coming into the revelation of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we should ever be coming in to that revelation and who He is in us and what He's putting in us as sons to to fight this battle with him. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, why is the word a lamp to your feet and a light to your path? That, that implies that you're walking through darkness with the word. It doesn't it apply it. Yeah. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> and why is it that... Um, um, you know, darkness and gross darkness, but my light shines on you. Um, it, it's it's 
it's an amazing thing. But see, like, God hides his face. He God hides his ways. His ways are light. His ways are light. And so he's hiding the light. But we search for him and we find him. <coughs> I mean, it's, it's just very interesting. I'm in no way calling God darkness. But what I'm saying is that, and we're saying, is that God always is turning dark into light. And so when there is the, the midnight hour, the darkest time of the day, we sing praise because the earthquake's coming. And um, the light emerges, and the jailer and his family are born again and baptized. Mm -hmm. And the people in, in the city that tried to, to destroy are coming asking forgiveness. I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. But the, the main thing is we've got to keep our perspective. And um, we, we have to have the joy set before us as our as our compass point and so do you believe that it's past time where has the where have the minutes gone we didn't even chit chat today except for at the very beginning when we talked about the weather that was that was the only chilly chat yeah we're in no way like focusing on the enemy no. I mean, the Lord is sitting on the throne. He is ever victorious. And um, our hope is in him. Yeah. But then on the other hand of the swing, you have these folks that say, you know, there really isn't an enemy. You don't have to be on guard for anything. So what, where is it? You know, we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. Um. I, I just think it's it's a very interesting thing. Well, okay. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I pray that, and we pray, that you will have a wonderful remainder of your day. And we look forward to um, the next times that we'll be able to connect together. So until that time, may God bless you and goodbye.